Something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. Welcome back, everybody, to the Founding Podthers. I am Mr. King. I'm Mr. Leesman. And today, we're going to be talking about foreign expansion and policy. I mean, that's kind of vague, but, you know, obviously we're going to explain that to you. Yeah, it, it, the better, I feel like a really good explanation for this, and probably what I'm going to wind up calling this, is American imperialism. Yeah, I think that's, um, a, good, I think that's a good thing to talk yeah. about this. And, and because of that, we're going to be really just jumping around a few decades. We're going to, we're going to spend some time here, spend some time there. We're going to time on the, on, the, uh, on the big old historical pogo stick. Oh, I yeah. I don't even know if you guys know what a pogo stick is. But anyway, I, I think we said this last time too, but we've outgrown Manifest Destiny. We're oh, on to yeah. bigger and better things. We Yeah, we're, we're reaching our tentacles across the world. Mm-hmm. We're bloodthirsty. That's right. Um, and we want more, more... more more, 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 more. Yeah, right. It, it's like that episode of SpongeBob where Pearl has that growth spurt and she's just sitting there as they keep feeding her. She's just like, more! <laughs> yeah, that's essentially what this whole episode is going to be. So about. You, you had mentioned imperialism, and obviously we're talking about American imperialism as this is an American history podcast, right? So we, I guess we should probably explain what imperialism means, why we do right. it, things like that, right? So this era of U.S. foreign policy after Reconstruction is usually called American imperialism. At least that's what I've been taught or told. Yeah, this, right? yeah. I mean, that's like a good explanation because, like, once things die down mm-hmm. uh, and the states come back, um, we we kind of take our eyes off inside and we start looking everywhere else. Yeah, um, and we gotta we kind of have to talk about like what motivates a company to or a company a country to oh. imperialize or become an imperial power. Talk about a Freudian slip, Mr. King, because there's a there's yeah. there's several there's several instances that it's not the government that's looking overseas; yeah. it's companies. And in fact, what probably our first example for today is going to be just that. Right. Exactly. So. so, what motives do people does the United States have? Pretty much all the other reasons that every other country has for imperialism and taking over land uh, outside of their borders. And that's, yeah, the acronym EARPER. Right? <laughs> or fear. Right. Uh, so economic, exploratory, ethnocentric, political, and religious. Yeah, and I guess like obviously, hopefully you know at this point what economic means. Money, exploratory means mm-hmm. like we just want to see what's out there. Yeah. Ethnocentric, what that means is basically like that. In, in this case, the United States people felt that we were the best, and uh-huh. we had every right to go out and take things because it was ours. What are they going to fight us? We, we're going to win. <laughs> so. Political, obviously, we want to extend our political power, and then religious was, in, in a couple instances, you know, we felt, or some people felt that it was necessary to expand the Christian faith through uh, or to other nations, yeah. um, because apparently, you know, that's that's what a good Christian would do, or something like that. Yeah. Right. The days of like, I mean, I guess it's like you can still have it. The the whole idea of gold, God, and glory to a certain certain degree. Um, well, it's it's kind of like gold, God, and glory. God, oh my God, gold, God, God gold. and glory, part two, right? Right, electric boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like, much like every other imperial power out there, this is essentially what happens. But there is this one term, and I mean, you still hear it to this day. You're going to hear it, especially with this uh, election coming up. Oh yeah, for sure. But it's the whole idea that um, the U.S. has a unique mission among nations to spread freedom and democracy. Uh, basically, we're better than every other nation, and it's our job to spread free, spend, spread freedom, and that's called American exceptionalism. Oh yeah, because we are exceptionally exceptional. We are a gift from God. 
That's right. And it could be argued that the United States era of imperialism started somewhere around the 19th century. For yeah. those of you that don't know, that's the 1800s. Yeah. Uh, uh, so in 1867, yeah. the U.S. purchased the Alaskan Territory from Russia. At that point, I think it was just called like Russian America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so William uh, Seward, the Secretary of State, the one that was almost killed the same day as Lincoln, was so much in favor of buying the territory and did much of the legwork. In fact, for decades, it was called Seward's Folly because it was just kind of like seen as an ice. Yeah, a lot of people were like, nice, yeah, nice blowing $5 million or whatever they spent on it. You know, like yeah. that there's nothing here. It's a frozen tundra. There's literally nothing here. It kicks over a rock, oil spills, like spills out. Of it. <laughs> yeah, and, and everyone's like, like, whoa. <laughs> what a genius. Yeah, so uh, like, like you said, at one point, at the very beginning, it was called Seward's Folly or Seward's Folly uh, because everyone basically thought that this was a huge yeah. waste of money. And We, we uh, bought it. We bought it for $7.2 million, uh, which is the equivalent to $132 million. Yeah, which people's, you know. 37 some, cents an acre. Yeah, like that's that's insane. Uh, yeah. uh, so uh, this turned out to be an incredibly great purchase for the United States. Oh, yeah. But that's, we're, you know, that's basically all we're going to talk about with uh, with the Alaskan Territory, and we're right, going to be just, <laughs> just like America onto bigger and better things, right? Right. And so, unfortunately for the U.S., by the time we got into the land grab game, it was pretty much too late. Uh, land Everything was, was already, already grabbed up. It was already either conquered or freed from imperialism, so you're not going to try and get it again. Right. Uh, but there was a series of islands out in the Pacific that was just right for the picking. And that would be known as Hawaii. Ooh. Shit sound familiar because yeah. you know it's uh, it's part skate. of the spoiler alert. It's part <laughs> of the United States now. Yeah, um, the United States had been interested in Hawaii as early as the 1820s when missionaries traveled there to spread their faith. So Christian missionaries basically went the there. Religious like, empire. Yeah, the religious empire. Yeah, let's 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 go ahead and and bring some Christianity. But right. Hawaii was its own nation. <laughs> not, uh, not who's there? Jesus. Yeah, so right. So Hawaii was its own independent nation. They were they were uh, ruled by a king and queen. Uh, they just were open to American businesses because oh, yeah. business is good. Money is good, right? Uh-huh. Uh, one of the biggest things that Hawaii was exporting at this point was not pineapples like you'd think, but sugar. By the way, Ooh. I've been to Hawaii. The pineapples in Hawaii, way better. They definitely send us the, the crappier pineapples really? to the mainland. Oh, yeah, for sure. They definitely keep the better pineapples. Is it just like that they're sweeter? Or? Oh, yeah. They're, they're just all around better. Dang. Uh, you know what, though? Good for them. They yeah, they, I mean, des- uh, they deserve smart. it. I mean, they deserve it after what we do. All right. Uh, anywho, so in 1890, the McKinley Tariff, and that name should sound familiar, uh, was passed that increased the import taxes by almost 50%. Now, so at before, this point, right, at this not point, president. right, right, but at this point, Hawaii is not part of the United States, and an, yeah. and an, an import tax affects any nations that are not part of the united states the, the, right. the point of an import tax is to in like um in like give an incentive to purchase goods in the united states yeah so rather like, than yeah. overseas right so it would just make goods that like american companies cheaper right so uh well the, it would make the, it would make american companies products cheaper by making other companies other companies more products more expensive so right yeah it didn't drive the price of our stuff down it just drove no, the other stuff up a little bit yeah right. 
Uh, and so McKin- uh, McKinley passes before he was back when he was in the in Congress before he was president, uh, and this put the Hawaiian Islands into an economic depression because people weren't buying Hawaiian goods anymore; they were buying United States goods. Uh, Americans that owned the sugar plantations realized that if the U.S. would annex Hawaii, they wouldn't have to pay the import tax. That would be a sneaky way around paying an import tax because I mean, if Hawaii was annexed, they would become part of the U.S. of A. Ooh. What could go wrong? I know. So the planters put their noggins together, and they put a group together to overthrow the Hawaiian royal government. You know? Yeah. Easy. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Right. I mean, these people have controlled Hawaii for thousands of years, and <laughs> yeah. a bunch of pineapple farmers are just like, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and overthrow that. Uh, and so they wanted to remove the queen who hated foreign intervention in her country. I'm I'm not even going to try to pronounce her name. Um, I believe it's Leo Lukalani. You got it. I believe that's how you say it. Only, only, only because I was there, and I remember someone specifically right, saying, <laughs> "If if someone who's listening is from Hawaii or is of Hawaiian ancestry, and I said that wrong, I am very sorry. I did not mean it let in us, any way. Please let us know. Yeah, um, but I'm you know, actually going to go take a look and see if we have uh, Hawaiian listeners. One of the key <laughs> members of this coup that supported the United States taking over Hawaii was a guy named Sanford Dole. And why does that name sound familiar? We don't have Hawaiian listeners, by the way, so that's disappointing. It definitely that name definitely should sound familiar. Oh, Dole, at least the yeah. last part, uh, because his cousin would help create the Dole Fruit Company. Ooh, buddy! So basically, what we're saying is, a fruit company overthrew, overthrew the government of Hawaii. Government. Yeah. So Dole and his crew would ask the U.S. Does, Marines does, for help. Does that sound ridiculous? It, it should. should. <laughs> <laughs> Dole and his crew would basically ask the U.S. Marines for help because U.S. Marines were in the area, I guess, to help. Um, they were trying to help out, uh, I guess, carry some of the goods over to the United States. Sure. Export is the word I'm looking for. Sure. Uh, anywho, they would ask the U.S. Marines for help so the U.S. Marines would land on the island and serve as an intimidation force, even though they're acting without express support from the president. Yeah, because um, remember, they, they do need to be given orders by... The president, the president, like the president, controls the military, right? And so uh, the queen would later abdicate, and the U.S. would take over the island. And abdicate the, means step down. By the right. way, newly elected president Grover Cleveland would not support the annexation of Hawaii and tried to withdraw the treaty from the Senate, but it was too late. The U.S. had already, the U.S. public had already supported uh, annexation. He would he would do everything he could. He wouldn't sign it. He wouldn't like do anything. He'd try to pull it. Um, he'd keep pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off. Um, and so when he would leave office, his successor William McKinley would annex the islands. Wait a minute. But, but what? So McKinley. that name McKinley should sound awfully familiar too, because it's... he's the guy that economically ruined Hawaii. Right. Weird. Yeah. Weird how that would happen. Yeah. You know, so I'm not a tinfoil hat kind of guy. But. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, this next part shouldn't really surprise anybody. Yeah. Uh, but so McKinley right. was assassinated. <laughs> yeah, right, so, you know, based on what we're talking about, a lot of people, not Probably big fans like of McKinley. Yeah. All right, he annexed Hawaii and went to war with Spain. He was the one that, last episode, guys, that we literally, he got in front of Congress and asked for a declaration of um, war against Spain. Side note. Pause right now and go Google William McKinley and then open up a second tab and type in Sam Eagle Muppets and then swap between the two pictures. All right, I'm actually... 
I'm, I'm actually really interested in this because I, I don't. Oh, I know where this is going. They look. Yeah, they are the same person. Tell me that they don't look identically alike. They oh. are the same person. In fact, there's actually a picture of Sam uh, Eagle behind a uh, or in front of an American flag, and I'm almost positive that it's it's all. It might actually be a picture of William McKinley. Yeah. Maybe um, we should maybe we should use that as the cover photo. Oh, that's it. We will 100. percent All right. Anyway, William McKinley. <laughs> not, people not a lot of big uh, not not big fans of William McKinley. So he was shot by an anarchist while on his way out to a speech. Yeah. Um, when doctors got to him, they were unable to find the second bullet that hit him. So Tom Edison, who I think we've mentioned before, tried to send an X-ray machine, but it wasn't used. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, X-rays it was were new. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the surgeons that were in the vicinity tried to find and remove the bullet. Uh, they would give him morphine to help with the pain. Ooh. They stitched him up. Never found the bullet, though. No. And he seemed to get better, uh, but he eventually succumbed to gangrene. So it's like a type of infection. Yeah. Um, so essentially, like, it was just kind of like, um, you know, getting better, getting better, dead. Um, yeah. He, he Basically, he, he died because of secondary infections. Right. Uh, and so Teddy Roosevelt... As vice president. Becomes president. Oh, boy. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so Roosevelt knew that the Monroe Doctrine, so he comes into power and, and find, figures out all the stuff that's going on with McKinley, like foreign policy-wise, gets kind of like the lowdown of he's, the president. He's, he is not a dumb guy. He's He's no. been on the battlefield. He knows that the United States is expanding. And right. the Monroe Doctrine isn't really going to cut it anymore. No. So he dusted it, it basically off. Basically, the Monroe Doctrine was just like, you better not. Yeah, or and else. Yeah, and so they need he needed to like expand it a little bit more. So, uh, you know, by the, when the Monroe Doctrine was created in 1823, we become we have grown substantially since then. Oh, tons. And so in 1901, there was something called the Platt Amendment, and I think it was a part of like the military budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, when it was passed, it would create certain stipulations for the withdrawal of U.S. forces in Cuba. Basically, Cuba would amend their constitution to allow some of these rules. So some of these rules, for example, are Cuba was forbidden from entering any treaty that would endanger their independence. Huh. Cuba was unable to take on large amount of debt so that uh, European nations don't come coming after them. And okay. boats on I mean, that's reasonable. Totally fair. Uh, and if any of the rules are violated, the U.S. would be able to send in their military to restore order. There it is. <laughs> and then lastly, the U.S. would be given a naval base in Guantanamo Bay. So basically the Platt Amendment was essentially very one-sided. And oh, yeah. we basically said to Cuba, yeah, you guys can – we're going to take our people out of here. You're free, except we control you, we control you, we control you. Don't take on too much debt and we control you. Yeah. And they were just like, Fair. what? And they were like, sign on this dotted line. And that was basically that. Right? <laughs> yeah. So Roosevelt would also create what is known as the Roosevelt Corollary to the Monroe Doctrine. And basically it's just an update or addition. Yeah. And that's what a corollary means. A corollary is like basically in addition to. Right. Like so, a, to, to correlate, to, to add on. That is actually a fantastic explanation. Uh, anyway, it would say that if any Latin American nation engages in, in a quote-unquote chronic wrongdoing, the U.S. was allowed to use its military to intervene. Basically, there it, is it would again. become... Right. It would basically say the United States would become the protector of South and Central America. Yeah. Um, and this eventually becomes known as, like, uh, Theodore Roosevelt's big stick policy. Ooh, there's yeah. a lot of There's a lot of uh, political cartoons out there of Theodore Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, basically, like, patrolling Caribbean islands or, like, Latin America with basically a giant baseball bat and, yeah, and like, like towing behind him, like, a bunch of naval ships. Yeah. 
idea is that uh, you guys can do what you want, but it has to be in the best interest of the United States. And if any European <laughs> yeah. nations come over here to try and take you over, we're going to blow you up. Right. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the quote is speak softly yeah. and carry a big stick. And I think the rest of it is, and you will go far. Yeah. Uh, it may sound, well, it may sound inappropriate. Basically, it's like the U.S. just putting its money where its mouth is. It's kind of a talk smack, get whacked kind of like thing. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, and so some instances of the U.S. having to use the Roosevelt corollary mm-hmm. um, would be in the once in Venezuela and once in the Dominican Republic. So in the Dominican Republic, European debt collectors were threatening to invade. And the United uh, States was like, no, no, no. That's not, how, that's not how that works. Yeah. Uh, and so the U.S. invaded. <laughs> we took over their customs house and ruled the Dominican Republic would be basically a, a protectorate. Like, we would just be their protectorate. Which uh, is a very fancy – a protectorate is a very fancy term for a colony. Yes. And yes. this was until the United States uh, – like until the crisis was, quote, unquote, stabilized. Yeah. Well, basically help them write their books and then yeah. like fix f- write the we, shit we put then... in like pro-american governments pro-american yeah. people and in the united states this should not be any new information here we do this all, all over. over the world yeah we so, still do it to some yeah. extent yes yeah, so, I mean, um, that's, that's a specific example in the dominican republic yeah latin american just saw this as uh latin america saw this as using u.s imperialism but the u.s just didn't care yeah and as you can imagine the united states it, you know, it, a lot of yeah. latin america weren't they weren't our biggest fan because no. we were doing we, we basically showed up like well we we won't let spain do this to you we won't let portugal do this to you we won't let france do this to you and then they were like oh cool and then we did that to them <laughs> yeah so, and the whole time latin america was like hey you can't do that and then you know it's just like well what are you gonna do right yeah right exactly yeah like we we beat the guys that you couldn't beat on your own were you going to beat us? I don't think so. Right. So they use their military power, economic power, and political power to basically bully people into certain situations. Great example, moving moving forward with the, the episode, would be the Panama Canal. Now, yeah. how on earth could something like the Panama Canal have anything to do with the Roosevelt Corollary? Well, Glad you asked. We are so glad you asked. Because we were going to tell you anyway. Yeah. So Panama was once controlled by Colombia. Under the guidelines of the corollary, the U.S. would support the Panamanian Revolution. Long story short, long, long story short, like like you said, Panama is like that piece of uh, Central America coming off of Colombia. It looks like a finger, basically. Right? Yeah. And like you said, it used to be part of Colombia. The people living in that area, they called themselves Panamanians, didn't like the way that the Colombian government was treating them. So they were engaging in like essentially a civil war. Mm-hmm. Well, this was awfully convenient for the United States because the United States didn't want to have to go around uh, South America with their boats. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to build a, uh, a canal. We asked the Colombian government. They said, no. Well, I guess we'll just have to overthrow your government then. Yeah, so I mean, that's, ba- that's basically how it goes. Yeah, so once we get that piece of land, it would we would we would start building that canal. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a kickback. But why Panama of all places to create the canal? Oh, that's right. It is the narrowest part of the Americas. Yeah, it is very. It's a very, very, very narrow part of land. The U.S. actually. So this it, the idea of digging a canal to like make travel easier had been something that we'd been looking at for decades. Um, and we looked at several other places, but Panama would just be the easiest because it's the narrowest. 
the canal would dramatically shorten the amount of time it would need, it would need the time that it would need to go from Atlantic Ocean to Pacific Ocean. You yeah. wouldn't have to go around all of South America. You could just go through it. Yeah, it essentially cut travel time in half. Right. Um, and so we dug it. We built it. We fixed it a couple times to make it larger, and we handed it over in December 31st of 1999. Yeah, that, that was done by uh, Jimmy Carter, eventually yeah. later president. Uh, many moons later, eventually hands the Panama Canal, or basically says, we will control the Panama Canal until the end of the uh, the year 1999, the, before the turn of the century. Um, <clears throat> and uh, a lot of people were not a big fan of Jimmy Carter for doing that. Yeah. Um, but... Uh. Yeah, but whatever. Anyway, it happens, right? So um, we controlled it for a very long time. Um, of, uh, basically, the reason why we handed it over is because our boats kept getting bigger, and, the, and it mm -hmm. was very costly to make the Why Panama not? Canal bigger. So we just basically didn't need it anymore. Plus, we started using airplanes. Yeah. Stuff like that, right? So um, the need for it wasn't, and our and the the biggest the the biggest need for it, aside from shipping things back and forth, was moving our navy to and from the atlantic and pacific ocean eventually we have so much money we just have atlantic fleets and pacific fleets we don't need to move yeah. our fleets back and forth Done. we just have two separate fleets now i mean we right. have many fleets now but the point is is that we don't need it because you're just going to leave the boats here and over here so it doesn't matter right uh and so uh, you mentioned it that w it was very costly to widen it uh we actually had to widen the canal multiple times because our ships just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger um according to some the canal is handling more traffic than it was ever designed for uh in 1934 it was estimated that 80 million tons per year would pass through the canal and in 2015 340.8 million tons of traffic passed through that's a lot of boats yeah yeah i mean that's crazy but um, again, the idea of American imperialism for an expansion is that we're, we're trying to extend our reach into the world around us now. We've, we've gotten the land that is directly attached to us. We got Alaska. We got Hawaii. And now we're interested in areas not just immediately next to us, but north mm -hmm. and south of us, east and west of us. We, we want it all. Right? Yeah. So that's the idea. And, I mean, for – Lack of a better term, we were really, um, you know, we were, we did it for a short amount of time compared to other nations, but like mm. we, we racked up land fast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was crazy, very fast. Yeah, I mean, uh, eventually we we find our way. I mean, it's more, I guess, of a of a global history thing, but we find our way into parts of China. Yeah, door uh, policy. Um, but you know, like we'll, we'll talk about that kind of stuff with you guys in class. Um, yeah. I but, think we like briefly mentioned it. I feel like I typed that out at one point. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and besides the fact that we broke open the door, um, where would I have put that? Um, we opened up the door to Japan with Commodore Perry. Sure. Um, yeah. And the, the idea is that remember that the, the biggest winner of us all is controlling Asian markets. Yeah. So we won't, we're just trying to get our way over to Asia and also controlling, you know, basically cutting out our competition, securing right. our area. Right. Uh, obviously people supported this and obviously people didn't support this. Um, so, you know, uh, highly contentious for lack of better words. Yeah, man. Um, but I mean, that's basically American foreign expansion, American in imperialism a in, a, in a nutshell. Um, and that's basically it. Alright, guys. See Thanks for later. listening. Talk to you later. Bye.
you too.